You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. Today, I am talking to Joy's House, which is a great organization located here in Indianapolis. Their website is joyshouse.org. And I am speaking to Tina McIntosh, who is the president and CEO. Thank you so much for joining me. Tell us a little bit about Joy's House. Sorry. Sure. Joy's House has been a part of the Indianapolis and Indiana community for 21 years now, which as the founder is really hard for me to um, to think of and to admit sometimes, to be honest, Chris. Um, but Joy's House is an adult day service is how most people know us. So if you aren't familiar with that concept, it is, I always hesitate a little bit. It's much like childcare. But I hesitate because we're talking about adults. Sure. So these are adults who have some kind of a life-altering diagnosis. It might be Alzheimer's or a related dementia. It might be Parkinson's. It might be MS, uh, results of a stroke. Or younger adults who are living with some kind of a developmental disability or something that they've been born with. And so uh, they come to us during the day, and we're open Monday through Friday. We have a broader location and a location at UND. And uh, then they go home to be with their families and live in their own homes and sit on their own couch and eat at their own dining room table. And our goal is to help keep them in that home, hopefully until the day they take their last breath. And then the other side of our mission is caregiver support services, which you know, I think we'll probably talk about because it is such a big thing right now in the world. Yeah, I have had several family, family members struggle with uh, Alzheimer's and uh, it is... It, it, you know, n- not to single one thing out, but it's the thing that I'm most familiar with. And w- what you find is that the, the partner is usually very overtaxed because a lot of times, you know, in, in this particular case, they were older family members themselves and then they developed it. And so then you have someone coming in and they're ill-equipped to deal with it because they're another family member. I mean, it has to make such a difference when somebody who has resources and uh, just general knowledge comes in. Can you can you give us an idea of when, you know, what is a situation like in general, you know, before Joy's house is, is brought into this equation between these two people, and what does it look like after? Oh my golly, yeah, yes, I can. Um, you know, before what we usually find is someone has taken on. A thousand different roles. So no longer am I just the daughter. I'm the daughter. I'm the driver. I'm the nurse. I'm the cook. I'm the you know housekeeper. I'm I'm the physician. You know I become all of these things that I am quite honestly ill-equipped to be. And from a mental perspective, I just want to be the daughter. You know I want to go back to being the daughter. And so we we lose some identity as we're caregiving. Uh, families are they're exhausted, you know, they're physically exhausted because it takes a lot to, and I'm, and I'm sorry to hear you understand Alzheimer's that well, um, because it becomes personal when we talk about it. You know, it Absolutely. takes a lot to transfer um, your grandfather from a bed to a standing position, to a toilet, to a shower, you know, walking down the hall, whatever it is, it, it becomes very physically taxing for family members, but it's also emotionally and financially, it's exhausting too. 
So we see family dynamics start to creep in. You know, if I'm caring for my mom, maybe my brother and sister don't like the way I'm doing that. And so it's interesting that we see these people who were in their 40s, 50s, 60s, all of a sudden take on the roles they had when they were in high school. Mm. You know, you can see it start to creep in. So there, there are family dynamics that come into play, which makes it more exhausting. Uh, and for us at Joy's House, we find that families don't come to us until it's a little late in the game. I always say if it's, I'm a visual learner. So if it's an alphabet and maybe they should have come to us around, I don't know, D or E in the alphabet, we see them at like LMNOP, you know, right. when it's just a little, it's a little late. And so what we do is we're able to come in and scoop them up, help everybody find their roles and their dynamics again, walk them through the process that comes with these life altering diagnoses uh, and then help them kind of put the pieces back together and just find find the rhythm again with some what is called respite in the business. It's really some relief for yeah. them so that they can go back to enjoying the moments that they have. Because, you know, specifically when we're talking Alzheimer's, let's not kid ourselves, is a nasty disease. You know, it's, it's called the long goodbye for a reason. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really our job. I say all the time that anything we do at Joyce House, we want to feel embracing. And at a time right now when we can't actually like tackle each other with the hugs that we want to give, uh, there's something really beautiful about being to being able to embrace people. Yeah, the just the the break, you know, going somewhere for for let's say the person who is struggling with Alzheimer's, having the the other care for the caregiver just to get an afternoon away. But I imagine it's also incredibly important for that social contact you know, the, the mental stimulation environment change for the person who's suffering. Is it not? It is. I, you know, we give the guest, which is what we call our clients, the people who come and spend their days with us. We give the guest a reason to get up in the morning, you know, a reason to brush their teeth and put on their clothes and put on shoes and uh, come out into the world and give them kind of like cheers. You know, I might be <laughs> showing my age here, but we get to be their cheers where they come in and we all know their name and we know their diagnosis and we know how to redirect them or help them in the restroom or with medications. But more importantly, we know who they've been their entire lives and who they are and what they like and what they don't like. You know, these are adults. And so we come with a lot of, uh, a lot of history in our lives. And I think you mentioned something too about just being able to give a break for the caregivers. Sometimes it's as much being able to look another caregiver in the eyes and say, forgive me here, but this really sucks. Yeah. You know, this is really hard and have somebody not try and solve the problem for you, but just say, you're right. It does suck. Thank God we're in this together. Yeah. That support staff. Um, you, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. My, my grandparents are in a facility. Uh, so they're fortunate enough to be able to be in a facility and, and COVID has been very difficult for my grandfather because he would go visit my grandmother every day and so now he gets to see her three times a week but he can't touch her uh this is you know and and that has eroded her ability to remember him so it's been it's been a very difficult time uh for them because of that lack of that loss of connection for a few months how have uh you and your guests and caregivers how have you all been navigating the pandemic and and trying to help uh deal with some of that because i know he's he's greatly helped by the fact that there's a staff and she's cared for you know and that that takes some of the edge off yeah um i think like like anyone this has been really hard you know uh we saw our guests 
left us on March 17th of this year was the day that we closed down to, to go into quarantine and, um, or lockdown or whatever you want to call it, but, you know, to go into this time. And when we opened our doors back up on July 1st, now we had been keeping in touch with families. We had done the drive-by parades. We had done the visits. You know, we'd done all those things that you would imagine that we all really um, learned to do. When, when people came back to us, it was really, really hard. Most of our folks had progressed with their diagnoses, um, which progressed not being the good word right. in that sentence, but um, had declined. And uh, it changes just hard. And when it, it showed us, we were almost like a case study at that point. It showed us what value our adult day service brought for the guest and for the caregivers. I mean, we could see it happening. As a matter of fact, we lost about 35% of our folks who normally attended mm. um, either passed away or declined to the point where they had to look at alternative long-term care. Um, but you know, one of the beautiful things has, it's a new, so we're creating new habits. Mm -hmm. And after being gone that long, particularly our folks with dementia, maybe we were back at square one with them, right? So they might not know our names, but they know we're a safe place. They know the feeling that comes with Joy's house. Well, they lost a little bit of that. And so we had one family in particular comes to mind and she said, you know, mom just doesn't want to come and I'm really struggling. And we said, do you remember how this was when you started with us at Joy's house seven years ago? Like we're back at that square one, but we've got this together. And she stayed with it and stayed with it and brought mom every, every day on a regular basis. And it was beautiful for us, Chris, to be able to snap a, a photo of mom and send it to her daughter to say, look, she's smiling. She was participating. And she said, oh my golly, that I haven't seen that smile since the middle of March since yeah. she left Joy's house. So, you know, I think you're right when you talk about um, for your grandfather, he finds that comfort knowing the staff is there. I, you know, staff in long-term care, and we're healthcare as well at Joy's house, but staff in this industry, I think we sometimes, um, I mean, let's be honest, in nursing homes in particular, don't always get the best reputation, right? People are really hard on, on that, but that's a hard job to do. And people who are in this line of work in long-term care and Joyce House and other places, man, we love what we do. And we love these residents and these guests that come. And so I, I really hope that people see that during this time and that we're all lifted up, particularly long-term care. Uh, I just think it takes special people to be working with an older population. And um, we're better as a community. And we now know for sure as a result you know, of them. Yeah. Do you have any... Have you talked about the wintertime and the cold and flu season? I mean, my, my read on everything is we'll we'll treat every cold and flu like it, it's COVID, especially with the population, the age population that sounds like you're you're interacting most with. How do you prepare for a long winter? Do you have any insights? Do you do you have you thought about that yet? Is it too early for a beer in this conversation? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I it's, feel like how do we solve the problems of the world? But yes. Uh, I just keep saying it's rough. You know, we're trying to muddle our way through figuring out how do we, so at Joy's house, a big thing for us is we, I always say we're a bunch of goofballs and we just, you know, we're dealing with some serious life issues, but we do it in such a manner that our culture is professional, but so informal and so full of love and joy, not to be too corny. I know it's in our name, but um, being able to serve people again in this capacity is wonderful, but but we've had to do it with smaller numbers, you know, because of social distancing. Try keeping a mask on the folks that come to Joy's house. <laughs> we do our best and my staff is incredible. They're exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, trying to keep a mask on someone who doesn't want it. Uh, that's interesting. 
Um, <laughs> but our numbers of, of attendees every day is smaller than what we're used to. At our broader location, we're used to up to 40, and right now we're serving about 20 people a day. Um, as we get into winter, I think you're right. We lose our outdoor space. And at home, you lose your outdoor space. You can't be outdoor in the same way. And and I, you are exactly right with the cold and flu season. And now we throw in COVID, every cough, right? I mean, how are you? Like every cough I have, I have allergies. And every time I cough, I'm like, there it is. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going down, you know? Um, so we're you know just diligent about watching our guests and taking temperatures and doing all the things you're supposed to do. Uh, where I really worry is for the caregivers at home. Yeah, I think that's that's a challenge. Uh, we don't know what people do when, when they're home. We're not there with them. So we advise them the best that we can and try and give them helpful tips and supplies and those kinds of things. But um, I think the caregiving at home is going to be the tough piece. So you mentioned the on the alphabet, the LMNOP part. Um, and a lot of that can be caused by the family member who is suffering, you know, denying maybe reality or fighting any kind of intervention whatsoever. And I, I have to imagine that somebody out there is listening right now thinking of a family member that they, they know needs some intervention, um, you know, many kinds and is resistant to it. But you know that it's going to be the best thing ever. And I will say in our case, that was that that happened. And. Life is much better at this point once there was intervention. Um, but how, how do you, if you're the caregiver or a concerned family member, what strategies would you advise? How do you intervene in that situation with dignity and respect and, and try to persuade the person that doesn't want to get in the game, essentially, to start pursuing help and the things that Joy's House brings us. Again, we're talking to Tina McIntosh, who is the president and CEO of Joy's House, joyshouse.org. Um, what advice would you have for somebody like that? It's a couple of things. One, anytime we're working with someone who would be for us, the guest or the patient or the you know person living with a diagnosis, um, listening is key, which here I say that to you who, you know, you prompt questions of folks and listen and then share that with other people. But I just have to think about what you do. Chris, how much do you learn just by listening to people that you're interviewing? Oh, a ton. You know? Yeah. Like you're the guy you want in a, um, in a trivia night. I want you <laughs> on my team, you know, you know, all kinds of stuff. And and I think if we would listen more instead of trying to tell people what it is that they want or what we want them to believe, um, empower them to help be a part of the decision, it's really going to help. And if at first they get defensive, uh, now dementia is different, but at first if somebody gets defensive, just give them some information, listen to them, listen to their concerns and their, you know, where they're pushing back and walk away for a while and say, hey, I'm going to give you some time to think about it. It doesn't seem like it's sitting very well but I'll circle back with you in a few days. And I think you'd be surprised at how much people come around to that way of thinking if we plant the seed. I don't mean manipulate them, although there is some of that too. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Sometimes that happens, but, or needs to happen. Um, but really listening. And then the other thing is caregivers or loved ones at any time can uh, do their homework. You know, they can do their homework and collect information and know their contacts, uh, and then you've got that information so that when the time comes, you know who it is you want to be calling 
there's nothing wrong with doing your homework in advance. That kind of fills in that gap period. Yeah. Um, if you hear the weird sounds, by the way, it's my boxer. My dog <laughs> is like in my face. So who is the cutest dog? This is such a cute dog. It was what's your Pretty dog's sweet. name? Her name is Phoebe. Looks like she a Phoebe. Is, yeah, she's pretty sweet. Thank you. Uh, one of the one of the fun things about the you know life in the COVID era is doing these interviews and and seeing toddlers <laughs> and, and dogs. Yes. And, <laughs> um, We're so forgiving nowadays, thank goodness, because we all need a little mercy and grace. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and I, I've sort of dwelled on the memory care, but are there other what other situations do you what other situations are guests in that you uh, help facilitate? There's so much. I mean, and the guess is one thing. I think, you know, there's a lot of that loneliness and there's a lot of, um, oh, just needing activities and some normalcy in our in our lives, normalcy in our lives. But it's really the caregivers that I am as concerned about as anyone, because, uh, again, you unfortunately understand this, but if the primary caregiver burns out, then we have a problem. And so, trying to figure out during this time of COVID when we are doing a thousand different things to try to bring normal or create our new normal. Um, how are we listening to caregivers as to what they need and then arming them with that information? So, you know, we do a lot of different things. If someone is listening and is a caregiver or knows a caregiver, they can email me directly at Tina, T-I-N-A, at Joy's House. It's J-O-Y-S, but Tina at joyshouse.org. And, um, we've got some things for them that will help them, you know, whether it's our care kit that helps you keep information together or it's some resource groups we have, or, you know, we've got lots of different things for caregivers, but we do have a virtual town hall meeting coming up uh, in September, on September 17th in the morning from nine to 10. And if someone's interested in, in learning about that, they can also email me at Tina joyshouse.org or go to Facebook. We'll have it all posted on Facebook live as well. Tell us what in these support groups that has to be incredibly important. I mean, I've been a part of several support groups, and just knowing I'm my feelings aren't weird or abnormal is so comforting. I mean, what what yes. do people experience when they come to the these support groups? Well, we try and design ours so that it's not um, it's not the group where you come in and sit down, Chris, and and you're dreading the fact that. Uh, Mary, Marianne walks in the door because you know she's just going to take over the conversation <laughs> and talk for 47 minutes. You know, yeah. you, know you know the lady. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know the one. Um, but we really, we do it as a resource. So typically there's going to be a speaker or someone there who can help you navigate, whether it's learning how to transfer train your loved one or transfer your loved one or bathe them or how to organize food on a plate so they're eating better. Um, things to do for yourself as a caregiver to uh, be stronger and better and continue on. And so uh, we'll have that and then there'll be time for conversation. And we do have pre-COVID obviously had a lot of the social opportunities too. And so we're, we're trying to figure out right now, what does that look like as we're moving through COVID and in the future? So what if, it, what does my loved one do if they come, if, if they're a guest at Joy's house, what sort of activities take place there? a lot. Um, and right now with COVID, it is different than it was before. We're trying to figure out what our new normal looks like, but there is always going to be, first of all, there's going to be food. We find that folks eat better when they're with us than they do typically at home, which is true. I mean, you think if you and I went out and grabbed breakfast, I'm probably going to eat more at breakfast because I'm engaged in conversation right. with you than if I'm home by myself. Mm -hmm. So um, there's the nutritional aspect of it, but 
getting people to get up and, and exercise and move their bodies. Again, if I'm in a group setting and everybody is doing chair aerobics or taking a stroll outside or throwing a ball around or whatever it is, I might not even look at it as exercise, but it's way more than I'm doing if I'm home by myself. Yeah. Um, but it's really the social part as much as anything. It is having a reason to get up and get out of bed and get yourself ready and out into the world and coming in a place that is designed to be safe physically, but emotionally too, you know, you're safe there and you can share what's going on in your life. If it's a, you know, if you're challenged with something or if you want to bring pictures of the family, or if you want to sit down and just have a conversation, there is something really beautiful. I'm saying this about social interaction and I'm like, duh, we've, again, we've all been in this gigantic case study about what is life like without social interaction. And we know we can't live without it. So you people come to your physical location. Have you thought about going out into homes or anything along those lines? Uh, do you do any in-home services? We have talked about it. There are a lot of really great non-medical home companion care companies in greater Indianapolis and in Indiana. And so, you know, at this point, we've been referring people to those that we trust and that we work with. And we know others have had good experiences with, um, but we've talked about what does that look like if Joy's house was to go into the home? Can we do the same activities? You know, is it the same benefit for the caregiver um, and the guest? It's a little bit different, um, different than a social setting. But I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out for our future. I would say there's some hurdles we'd have to jump when it comes to insurance and things of that nature. But uh, we are like everybody else post-COVID. I say post like it's happened. But, you know, in the midst of COVID... <laughs> We are um, reevaluating what we look like on the other side of this. How did Joy's House come about? How, why did you start it? What was the impetus? Uh, for me, it's, it was very God-driven. I had volunteered at an adult day service when I was in college. I went to Ball State, and I loved it. Um, but then I got out of school, and I decided to do other things. I was an event planner, which was a really great gig when you're in your 20s. Uh, my biggest <laughs> client was the Colts. So that was super fun to do, um, you know, when you're 27 and either setting up or tearing down an event at 3 in the morning. But um, I, I just I, – I had some personal experiences. And like anybody, you know, you have some pretty deep personal experiences, and you have to make a choice on if you're going to go – to the left or to the right with the road. And so I just started listening a little bit more and I really felt God pulling me to adult day. But when I looked around at what was available at the time in Indianapolis, there just wasn't anything. And I thought I'd go in and be an event planner for an adult day service. I didn't think I'd start one. Um, but I came back, my mom took me on a cruise. She gifted me with a really great vacation and I surrounded myself by water and it's my spiritual place. And I came back and said, I'm going to quit my job and do this adult day thing. And uh, a very long story made, story made short, my friends gathered around me, Chris, and they were, you know, to my face, kind of pat me on the back and being like, yeah, yeah, we'll help you with this. We got this. And then behind <laughs> my back, they were like, dude, she's lost her mind. <laughs> so, um, but here we are 21 years later. That's excellent. Um, we are speaking to Tina McIntosh, who is the president and CEO of Joy's House, which uh, serves uh, adults who are living with alter life-altering diagnoses and uh, provides an escape and a fun escape, it sounds like. And I imagine there's a lot of people who are listening and would love to help. 
tell us about some events that you've got coming up and, and how can, uh, how can people help you? Yeah, I, I want to, um, if I may reiterate that if somebody is a caregiver or knows of a caregiver, reach out to us. We're not going to try and sell you on coming in for adult day service. We want to help. It's part of our mission is for caregivers in general. So, you know, email me at Tina at joyshouse.org. Other than that, we've got this town hall meeting coming up where we're going to be speaking with people from across the nation uh, as to what it means to be a caregiver during this time and some helpful tips as you're caring for a loved one. Uh, in addition, we've got in October, October 16th is a Friday, and we've got our annual event coming up. And I'm sure you've talked to plenty of people who say, we normally have 500 people in attendance. <laughs> this year we're virtual. And it's like, what does that look like? We this year are calling ours the living room lounge. And so you uh, you wear your best lounge wear because you're going to be on your couch. And we're going to do less than an hour of an event. Um, so October 16th and you can check out our Facebook page to see about that. But we are going to do everything we can to make it not only informative and a fundraiser for Joyce House, which we need. We're not for profit, but also to make it really entertaining and fun. So uh, if you have a company and want to be a sponsor or if you want to give in kind to our auction or anything, you know, just, again, email me at, at Tina at JoyceHouse.org. And then if somebody just wants to flat out make a donation, man, we'll do everything we can to make you proud. But we do need the support. And you can just go to joyshouse.org and click on the donate now button. And uh, that is the virtual joy of journey town hall on September 17th. And then also the living room lounge on October 16th. And you can find out about those at joyshouse.org and be sure to follow them on social media and Facebook. Um, tell us a little bit about the Hauli project. Yeah, the Hauli project is something that we created when we all went down on, on lockdown during COVID and <clears throat> Hauli, Hauli, it's even hard for me to say, on the Hauli <laughs> project, it means joy in Hawaiian. And um, it is where we are marrying up family caregivers with a trained and vetted volunteer. And really at a time when we need that comfort and we need uh, that extra support and someone to listen. Yeah. Can I, you know, I imagine if you're a caregiver, you have a lot that you want to vent and it's, it's <laughs> yeah. hard. And, and you know, the nature of venting about difficult situations is that you eventually wear out other friends and family. I mean, so is, is that a, a, an important part of the Hauli project? It is. Uh, it's an important part of the Hauli project for those relationships, but it's an important part of what we do every day at Joyce House. And you're right. I mean, you know, <laughs> I remember years ago when we were way back in the day when we could do these large in-person events, you know, we had a, um, hundred, couple hundred people at a caregiver retreat. And there were these two sweet, um, little older women, you know, little puffy gray hair, just these beautiful women sitting at a table. And I knew them both very well. And I walked on, up on them and to be fair, I snuck up behind them. I didn't do it on purpose, but that's what happened. And I heard one of them turn to the other and say, you know, sometimes I just want to lock him in a closet and there might've been an explicit in there. And I was like, <laughs> okay, hold, hold the phone. You're not going to really lock him in a closet. And she, you know, laughed and she was like, no. And the other one's like, but I feel like it too. And so we had this very healthy conversation about no matter how much you love somebody and how many smiles there are and how many good moments you have with somebody, the reality is sometimes you just want to lock him in a closet and you shouldn't do it. No one should do that. I want right. to be clear, <laughs> but having that safe place to connect with another caregiver um, and somebody who gets it, who says, Hey, that's like you said earlier, Chris, that's a normal feeling. 
Yeah. And it's okay to feel that way. And how do we work through that feeling and get to the next one? Um, you know, that's what we do for people every day. So yeah, whether or not they want to be a part of the Helly project, somebody could volunteer or whether or not you're the actual caregiver, um, that's on our website too. Let us know. But anytime you need anything, if you're a caregiver in that situation, you call us at Joy's house and that's what we're there for. All right. I end every program with this question. What is the thing that you see every day that you wish everybody understood about your work? Oh my golly. Why does that make me want to cry? Just hearing the question. Um, Ooh, you got me emotional about that. Okay. So I wish that everybody knew that even though sometimes caregiving, and I said the word earlier, but sometimes it just downright sucks, Chris. There's no nice way to say it. Sometimes it's really, really hard that these people have lived a full life, you know, with experiences and lessons learned. And um, even though sometimes it's hard for us to understand that someone with Alzheimer's or another dementia or whatever the diagnosis, it's hard for us to see them or hear them or know them the same way. Um, I really believe they're still in there. And it's those little moments when somebody's eyes get clear that you know you've had a breakthrough or they call you by name or they just smile at you. Um, there are some beautiful moments that are just sprinkled you know, throughout our days that I wish everybody could see uh, that we're still alive and uh, we're full of life. All right, Tina McIntosh, who is the president and CEO of Joy's House. Find out more about them at joyshouse.org. Tina, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, and thanks for what you do. Thank you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Spread the word on not just Joy's House, but any of our programs. You can find uh, all of them listed at nowhearthisindy.com. My name is Chris Spangle. Thank you for listening to Now Hear This. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please contact the great Gabby at 317-475-7407 or via the contact page on our website. Thank you for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This. Our goal at The Chris Spangle Show is to help you sound smarter while talking with your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian perspective with all of the irreverence modern politics deserves. We toss out the screaming heads and put people before political parties and give context to the news to make you think. I'm the host. I'm a 15-year veteran of politics and media, and this show is published every Saturday. It's part of the We Are Libertarians network, and be sure to join Wall Plus for bonus podcasts, the complete archives, commercial-free shows, and more. Subscribe now at wearelibertarians.com.